So today is uh, today's Pentecost, and our beloved leader uh, got to lead uh, the preaching over in Wesley's church in England this morning. Um, they're six hours ahead of us, and so for Cliff getting being able to preach on Pentecost at his hero's church. Uh, pretty cool deal. So I'm really interested to see how that all turned out. So Pentecost was from the, the, Jewish, uh, the Jewish Feast of Harvest is where that came. It's roughly 50 days after Passover. And it, co it coincidentally corresponds with uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit uh, where Jesus told, told the disciples to wait. It was prophesied prophesied by Joel, and he said, and, and um, he said, uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, uh, and I will pour out my spirit on all my people, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, uh, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these days. So that was the prophecy of the prophet Joel, and Jesus said the same thing in John 14, he said, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he, may, that he may be with you forever. And forever continues today. We're in forever. That the promised Holy Spirit is with us today, and it's kind of the point of the whole thing is being able to live in the spirit. So we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, this morning on this uh, Pentecost day. Uh, we've been working through um, Ephesians for the last, how long has it been? It's got to be, it's got to be months and months and months and months. So, um, and I just love it. I love, and then Cliff, I always wonder, oh, I didn't get finished. Okay, <laughs> that's something. Uh, so the theme of Ephesians that we've been working through is that in Ephesians 4.1, that we would walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Walk in a manner uh, worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So... Have you been called? Have, have we been called? It's a fair question. That he, If we're supposed to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, have we been called and called to what? Do you know, do we know what we've been called to? Um, do, do I know that? Should we know that? Should we know what we've been called to. Because that, that's, Paul is telling us that we're supposed to walk in a manner worthy of what we've been called. So it would make sense that we should acknowledge, sure, we've been called, and we should have some idea called to what. And I think it all ties in with Pentecost and the Holy Spirit. Because that's where we get a lot of our, uh, that's where we get a lot of our purpose is the calling of the Holy Spirit and then following through with that. That's why we're here today. This isn't just some random deal. You all are here today 
because you feel that calling of the Holy Spirit. That's why you're here. But I think we can, I, I don't think there's a stopping point. I think it keeps going. I think it goes as deep as we keep saying yes. And I think that's why we come to Sunday school and, and are blessed with such a great teacher so that we can keep going deeper in our life that um, who's the dude that, that died when he died? He said, I, I, I hope it's like three days before I know I'm dead because he's living so close to God. Who's that guy? Dallas Willard. That's how I am. It'll be three days. I don't think so. <laughs> Sounds good. But anyway, so think about that. Let that, let that just kind of pickle in your brain here as we, as we talk through this. Have you been called? Called to what? Do you know? Should you know what you've been called to? So... As I was going through this, <clears throat> I kept seeing this, uh, this, the phrase of Jesus saying, follow me. So he said that a lot. He said it in just a couple of them in John 1, finding Philip, he said, follow me. And they did. Can you believe that? So think about that. They, they dropped their vocations. They, and their vocations were a big deal because you didn't, you didn't have money, you didn't eat. Uh, so finding Philip, he said, follow me. In Matthew 14, 19, he, uh, he said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He said that to, to Peter and Andrew, the brothers that were out fishing. And they did. They just put their boats away, put their nets up, and they followed him. And the purpose of Jesus coming to earth is... Fishing for men, mankind, <clears throat> men and women. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It was the highest purpose of Jesus coming here to earth is for you and I. It was the absolute highest purpose. And for him to come up to, I guess what the world would say, strangers, and say, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'll make you to be able to work in the highest purpose of my calling is to fish for men. Just come, come follow me and you can do that. That's amazing. And that they would just drop their, they'd just drop their vocations, their jobs, and just follow him. Uh, in, in Mark 2, uh, he said to Levi, follow me. And Levi left the tax booth, despised as he was, left the tax booth and followed Jesus. Now, he was set. The tax collectors were working in cahoots with Rome, and they had a lot of money because Rome said, this district, you owe me this many dollars per month, or what were they, denarii, or whatever the currency was. You owe me this much, much per month. Anything above that, you can keep. So he was very wealthy, and he folded up his booth and followed Jesus. You talk about a calling, and Jesus was calling all these people. In John 10, uh, when he put forth all his own, he's talking about uh, that he is the shepherd, and we are the sheep. When he puts forth all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. 
So I think that's the whole idea that we understand and get to know his voice. And he speaks to us through scripture, through fellowship, like what we're doing, and through the Holy Spirit, which we celebrate today on Pentecost, that we know his voice, that we hear his voice. And when he calls us, that we can actually go and go do this. We're supposed to follow Jesus into relationship with him um, because we realize that we are his kids and we know his voice. So what Cliff teaches us each Sunday, what, what Marty teaches us, what the elders lead us to, is for us to understand who Jesus is and to understand and hear his voice in the different day-to-day things. We're not supposed to just hear his voice here at church. We're supposed to be hearing his voice every day as we're going along our way. So what does follow me, as Jesus said, what does this follow me look like? What is our calling? What, so what does that look like? So follow me when times are good. That seems legit. Seems should be easy, right? Follow me when times are good. It's been my experience that when times are good, there's a lot of churchgoers that don't follow Jesus because times are good. Job's going good. Family's going good. Vacations are good. The dog is house trained. It's all good. Quit chewing up my slippers. And, but, but I've found that it's some of the hardest times p- for people to follow Jesus when times are good. It's weird. Uh, follow me when times are bad. Oh, baby, that gets a lot easier, doesn't it? How many of us have had that prayer? God, if you'll just get me out of this. And I had a... I had an assistant DA tell me one time, assistant district attorney tell me one time when we were talking about he was a he was a Christ follower and he goes, he goes, I've led more people to Jesus than any than any uh, uh, pastor that comes in here. (laughs) And that's true, (laughs) because when the district attorney starts saying five years, six years in prison, you start coming to Jesus real closely at that point. So follow me when times are good. Uh, follow me when times are bad. Um, follow, follow me has no end. That follow me that Jesus said, our calling, it, it, it doesn't have any end. It's, it's never finished. There's not a point where you all of a sudden... Uh, clear the summit and you're finished, I guess when you die. But when you clear the summit, there's still more. There's more summit to clear. It's never finished. Follow me doesn't, you didn't, you didn't end. Okay. I did it. Okay. Um, it has no reserve. It has no residual. You might have had a great follow me day the previous day, the previous week. Maybe you're coming out of a quarter, a month, a year several years of follow me and it's been going well in the normal ups and downs of life but in an upward trajectory of following Jesus there ain't nothing for tomorrow you got to get up 
and follow Jesus. It's like the manna where they tried to hoard the manna when the bread from heaven came down and they'd go and open it up the next day and it was all rotten because you, there's no residual on follow me. It's every day. It's every moment of every day. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a choice. This isn't anything that we're like somebody's got a gun to our head. It, it's a choice for each one of us each day, getting up each day, and, and it's follow me. And, it, and the thing is, it's new every day. This, this follow me is, is brand new. It's a brand new experience every day. Now, we have experience to say, well, last time when I was feeling this way, I did this, and I got to see Jesus. I got to hear from the Holy Spirit. So there's patterns that we can have, but it's new every day. There's new stuff that happens every day in that follow me life. And that shouldn't scare us. That should give us butterflies. That should excite us that this is new and there is no limit. It can go anywhere. It can be all the way to the end. There's no, there's no cap on it on this follow me. Um, the, this, this follow me experience that we have is super deliberate. This is a really deliberate thing. So think back when you were led to Jesus. Okay? That was really deliberate. That wasn't just a happen chance. Somebody took the time to talk to you about Jesus. And they had to have some knowledge to do that. If you, it was in a church service, well, that whole thing had to get set up. Chairs had to get set up. The air conditioner had to be set right. The carpets had to be vacuumed. You had to play 66 verses of Just As I Am. <laughs> For those of you with the Baptist tradition, it was really deliberate. It wasn't just a meandering into it. And that's how our follow me is supposed to be as well. It's supposed to be deliberate every day when we wake up. We don't just wander into it. We try to be really deliberate in our follow me experiences, in our calling experiences. Um, it, this follow me doesn't have any boundaries at all. There's no silos in follow me. There's no, there's no boundaries. So follow me happens at work. It happens at home. It happens when you're filling up your tank and it's $116. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, it happens on vacation. It happens when you're out fishing. It happens when you're shopping. Uh, it happens when things are good. It happens when things are bad. Um, it happens when things are hard. It happens when things are super spiritual. The follow me. It happens when we sin. Follow me happens when we sin. What? Follow me. Our calling happens when we're sinning, when we sin. What the heck? Is this thing on? Hey. So turn to turn to first John chapter one. Your digital Bible should open right up to it. Remember, first John, two and a half years. 
trudging through. First John, and yet we're coming back to it. How great is this? First John chapter 1, verse 7. Follow me when you sin. So, 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, am I writing these things to you that you may not sin? My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but all for, also for those throughout the whole world. So if you'll notice that passage in 1.7 says, if we walk in the light, it's our choice. Again, that's our choice. If we walk in the light, if we walk in that follow me posture, um, we have continual cleansing. Cliff told us that that cleanses us from all sin. The tense on that in the Greek is continual cleansing. It's perfect tense. It's cleansing all the time. It's cleansing before, it's cleansing during, it's cleansing after, and it repeats. And I think we do ourselves a disservice if we say that we don't sin because we do. It says it right here. So if we're going to run from God when we screw up, that's probably not the right way to do it. If we're going to do the follow me at work and follow me at home, it just comes natural. And this is a weird topic to talk about. Um, but I think, it's, I think it's really important. Um, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, it's our choice every day. Um, and it's that continual cleansing so I've seen, I used to teach uh, high school, college students in Sunday school for, I don't know, decades. Terry and I taught, uh, she taught the little girls in seventh and eighth grade and then seniors. I taught the boys. Um, I had church police at this church I was in. I was church police. So... We, we go to the Wednesday night, like that, you know, with the youth. And if I saw some of my Sunday school boys and I said, hey, going to see you Sunday? And they could say no. I wasn't going to get on to them. No, I'm not going to be there Sunday. Great. Okay. If they said, yeah, I'll see you Sunday and they didn't, we'd all load up in my truck and all the trucks and we'd go to their house and have Sunday school at their house. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> Until I got a visit from the pastor. Well, I got a call, and the parents weren't too happy that you showed up with the whole Sunday school class, and they're in their pajamas. But we had it out in their front, 
front lawns before. I didn't stop it. We did church police. It was a joke, but it was fun. The boys remember. So from that experience right there, um, the, I'd, see these, I'd see these young men come and get super excited about Jesus. Um, they'd mess up as we do, and I'd never see them again. Oh, it, was, it was so disheartening to see these young men coming from tough backgrounds, come to know Jesus, and they mess up because we all do, and then they're gone. And that's not the right way to do it. Follow me when you sin. And, and there's this thing that happens that you want to run, which is normal. We're human when you mess up, uh, that we, we want to run. Look, look at uh, Hebrews chapter 2. Switch over to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Let's read this. Hebrews 2.14. Uh, Since then, uh, the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And he might deliver those who through the fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to the angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham, us. Therefore, he had to be made like him, like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful, faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that, he has suffered and is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. He, he knows he was man. He was fully, Jesus was fully man, and he knows what it's like to have fear. So do you, do you all believe this passage? That's such a great, it's so encouraging. It's such a great passage. Do you believe it? Do we, do we believe that passage? Do you believe that Jesus rendered powerless him who had the power of death? That's the devil. Did, do you think Jesus rendered him powerless? Do we believe that? I mean, believe it. Do we believe that, he, that we've been delivered from this slavery of fear, that death is gone? Do we believe that? I mean, really believe it. Do we believe that Jesus would made like us and that he knows what it's like to walk in our shoes and that he made propitiation for our sins, that fancy word, the, the propitiation to have mercy, to show favor, to forgive, pardon, make reconciliation for? Do we b really believe that? That believe is associated with faith and trust in, in Greek. I want to say Hebrew. Uh, faith, trust, believe all come from the same origin. And that is to make it a part of us. Do we believe where it becomes a part of us? Yes. To the point where it affects how we behave. That's how you know you believe. That's how you know you have faith. That's how you know that you trust. 
where it becomes a part of you, where it affects your behavior tomorrow morning, where it affects your behavior all week long, that you actually believe it to the point where you're doing stuff that show you believe it. I always tell that story, I've told it in here a bunch of times about catching fish up in, in Michigan, caught that big northern pike and cleaned it and there's something hard in it and cut it open. We were about 11 and there's another fish inside of it. It was awesome <laughs> to have a big fish that had a little fish inside of it and the fish was partly digested. Its lips were gone, its fins were gone, super slimy. It was super slimy. Picked it up and slipped out of your hand. So it's what any 11-year-old boy would do. We started cleaning that other fish to see if there's another fish in it, you know, like the stackable Santa Clauses. That's what it means for, for this to become a part of us, that it, it starts it starts becoming a part of us, just like that little fish was becoming a part of that bigger fish. That's, what, that's the type of faith and believe that drives away this fear that we all have. We all have some fears of some sort, and Jesus says the norm is not to. That this fear is supposed to be gone because we believe that he came and made accommodation propitiation for our sinfulness. And he knows we're going to sin, that, that there's this continual cleansing for us. So do we really believe that, or is it just simply too good to be true? Well, obviously, we believe it some because we're here today. We drove out in the rain. We're the awesome ones. <laughs> Uh, but I think there's some times where we believe this is just too good to be true. This, this is just way too good to be true. It can't be this easy. Not that it's easy. It just can't be this simple that we confess our sins and we're good. Ephesians 2, we just read it, or we just studied through it. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. So follow me when you sin? Absolutely. 100%. Because you will sin. Let me read this to you. This is from Brother Oswald Chambers. To become one with Jesus... A person must be willing to not only give up sin, but also surrender his whole way of looking at things. Being born again by the Spirit of God means that we must first be willing to let go before we can grasp something else. The first thing that we must surrender is our, pre is, is our pretense or deceit. What our Lord wants us to present him is not our goodness, not our honesty or our efforts to do better, but real solid sin. Actually, that's all he can take from us. And what does he give us in exchange for our sin? Real solid righteousness. But we must surrender all pretense that we are anything and give up all of our claims of even being worthy of God's consideration. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. 
So our tendency, it, my tendency, our tendency is to tell God um, about how we're living up to it. Look, God, I went to church. Come on. It was raining. I get extra credit. I went to church. Or, hey, I read my Bible four out of seven days this week. Pretty good. And I prayed for that guy that I didn't really like. But I prayed for him. <laughs> and I, I was charitable. I, I gave money. Um, and that's what we do. We justify that we're really okay. And that's, it's human nature. It's what, it's what we do. Um, it's all good. It's all correct. But when we sin, we hide. We're ashamed. And I've seen it over and over and over teaching these, these single young men. They believe they need to work their way back from the path of sin. That they messed up. And now it's this long, hard, tough journey back to God's grace. And that's what gets so discouraging. That's what, where fear comes in. And that's what we tend to do as well. We think we need to work our way back, and that's not the case. When we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us, continue a cleansing from all unrighteousness. We're back. And where these boys that got so excited and then I never see him again. Oh, it's just heartbreaking because it takes this. It takes what we're doing to understand that relationship with Jesus, that it is a trust relationship that, okay, I do believe I, I messed up, but I really do believe um, that you've cleansed me from all sin and that I'm back. Thank you, Jesus. And then we continue on, on our way. What our Lord wants us to present to him is not our goodness or our honesty or our efforts to do better, but real solid sin. Actually, that's all he can take from us. And what he gives us in exchange for our sin is real solid righteousness. But we must surrender all pretense that we are anything and give up our claims of even being worthy of his consideration. I mean, which, what's easier for us to do? Say, look, I went to church. I gave some money. I was nice to this person. Or to say, look, Lord, I treated this person with contempt. I cut some corners at work. I hate this group of people. Which is easier for us to say? It's way easier for us to say is, look, I went to church. Than it is, I have contempt for this group of people. But this is what God wants. He wants clarity, <laughs> open, openness, honesty. This is how we're supposed to interact with our relationship with God. We're supposed to interact clearly with him that follow me when I sin. Jesus wants this open, honest relationship with them, this, with this no deception, no pretense, just transparent, just love is what he wants from us. And he gives us all the tools to do it. We have all the tools to, to do this. Jesus also says, follow me in obedience to obey his commandments. In John uh, 14, he tells us, we were just there, uh, John 14, 15, if you love me, you obey my commandments, and I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper 
that he may be with you forever. The promised Holy Spirit. That's Pentecost. That's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't know him or behold him. But you know him because he abides in you and will abide in you. And I'll not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. And after a little while, the world be, will behold me no more. But you'll behold me because I live you shall also live, and that day you shall know that I am the Father, and you and me, and I and you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. So we tend to think of this obedience in terms of like do nots, like stop, stop, don't, quit, like that, speed limit, stop signs. And at church, the tradition of a lot of the major denominations is, uh, you know, you can't smoke and you can't drink and you can't think bad thoughts and you can't, 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 can't. But if you look at what Jesus' teaching on obedience is, most of his teaching um, on obedience is go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples. Uh, feed my sheep. Uh, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will, will added, be added to you. This follow me isn't, well, of course, it's not, you know, some of the majors, but most of this teaching that on obedience, Jesus said, go and do this stuff. So on one of these trips with these boys, we went to, when they graduated from high school, we took them on a trip to, Santa, uh, to uh, Red River, New Mexico, and we did a river rafting deal. And it's supposed to be, you know, a class three, class four rapids. They're like tornadoes. They get the higher the number, they, the worse they get. Five is the worst rapids that you can get. Oh, there's no class fives on this. It's just class threes and class fours. It'll be fun. We got there, it was snowing. Okay, we're doing a river rafting trip in New Mexico in May. It's snowing. And so it got to the point where you'd put your hand in the water from the snow melt and it felt warm. Oh, that feels so good. Anyway, the guide, the hippie guide guy, he's like, um, okay, dudes, now when I say hold on, you need to hold on. I don't want the paddles above your head. You just need to hold on as tight as you can because you're going to get shucked out of this thing. And so obey, right? O obey. So we're going and it's getting hairy and we're going, we went down to this class five and we went down about 15 feet into this hole and there was 10 feet of water over the top of us and we came back out on the top of that thing and lo and behold, several of them are missing. Where did they go? Well, there they are bobbing up and down in the river behind us like that. And so the guide's like, ah, and trying to pull over and get them and the paddles are gone and all this stuff. And um, so the obedience there was for his, our own good. Right. Obey. And I mean, it was hang on as tight as you possibly can. And you're still going to get sucked out. But it was a lot of fun. Anyway, so that's, <laughs> that's kind of the idea. Uh, that's kind of uh, uh, the idea. This obedience becomes, uh, becomes keep close to me. Jesus saying, keep, keep close to me. Be open and transparent with me. And look where we can go together. 
And that's where, that's where this is. This isn't this punishment stuff. This is, no, 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 no. I can take you places where you never, ever thought that you'd go. And I always come back to this. Jesus opened a door for Terry and I in 2005 to go to China and do water stuff over there. Um, and the reason I come back to that is there's not a day that goes by for her and I that this one stumbling into faithful act of obedience has had influence on everything we've done from that point forward. It, def it changed the trajectory of who we were and how we, how we lived here on earth. And that one little act of saying yes the first time in 05, um, I didn't want to. Come on. I didn't go to China? Are you kidding me? And that's, this is dead cat China food, not, you know, moo moo gai pan here. <laughs> it's way different. Um, I mean, it's the last thing that we wanted to do. We were, we were in the middle of a business change. Our kids had gone off to college. We quit, we quit the church we've been going to for 40 years and came here. It's the last thing that we wanted to do. But we felt in our souls that trust, believe, where it becomes a part of us that we should take the step and say yes. And uh, had, had her and I said no, God would have loved us. Are you kidding me? It's, he is love. It had been fine. Uh, but because of that, it, it just blows us away. There's millions that have water. Now, there's hundreds of thousands that are discipled every year. There's thousands of jobs that were created for this one little act of obedience that we didn't know what we were saying yes to. And it was literally one little act of obedience. And I was, it was tough going over there and doing breaking Chinese law and doing some things like that. But um, it... And this wasn't the starting point. It's, it's just the it was just the next follow me step in a progression as we live our lives, as we're going about our way. It's just the next progression in that. And part of that is spending time each day, inviting the Holy Spirit in, and confessing our sins early and often. Just, I mean, it's not any big secret that we're going to mess up. So just, just step into it. Wade into it. Don't sin. But we're, when we do, step into it and get through it by this early and often confessing. So we have this continual cleansing. And this, this follow me is always uh, for our own good. Um, they, these follow me opportunities, uh, many have no visual consequences whatsoever. You just felt the urge to go do this. You felt the urge to write a note. You felt an urge to send a text. And they, they have, you, got, you all have done that. I was thinking of this guy, I just sent him a text. Hey, I was just thinking of you, hope things are going well, praying for you, da 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 you go off and do your stuff. And you find out later that that meant everything to him. And it was nothing. That's a nothing burger. 
It's easy, but that's the follow me that I'm talking about. That's the listening to the Holy Spirit where it becomes a part of us where we trust and we just go do like that. Some follow me opportunities have generational impact that changes the trajectory of multiple families forever. But it all starts with just that simple day-to-day following Jesus, listening to the Holy Spirit who gave us and taking that next step that's right in front of us, taking that next step. They're not, you're not going to get sent to North Korea. You're not going to. So let's just go ahead and take the next step before us. I'm not going to get sent to North Korea. I, there, nobody is. It's, it's not going back. So this week, let's be hyper-conscious of this follow-me, obey opportunities that will come if we're looking for them. But we have to be conscious. We have to be looking for them. But let's, let's be hyper-conscious of it. Let's really, let's really set our mind to, okay, Jesus, I am going to follow you. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. I'll take a different... You guys have taken a different route home, haven't you, sometime? And you have no idea why? Well, you did. I did. I do. I do. Some, sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's something. Um, so how do we do that? Well, so as you read scripture and pray, ask Holy Spirit, ask him to lead you in thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus said that's how we're supposed to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants to use us in that. He wants us to be part of thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He's begging us to do that because it's for our own good and it builds the kingdom. So this week as that happens, just start asking God to have that influence and then then be conscious and sensitive as these circumstances occur. And you get the subtle nudge. When you get that subtle nudge, just go with it. And sometimes it's nothing, sometimes it's something. But If we continue to pray, Lord, I want to be in your will. Lead me this week. Thy kingdom come. That's the right prayer. That's what we're supposed to be doing. It says in Thessalonians that we're supposed to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So this week, let's do that. Let's let's be super conscious of our circumstances, where we are, And invite the Holy Spirit to lead us in all the different circumstances of our week, at work, at home, wherever we are. So let's pray together. Jesus, we just thank you. We love you. We thank you for this opportunity that we can come to you, Lord, and learn from you. And Lord, what we just learned today from you, help us to apply that to our lives so that thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.